0: Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out www.nhte.net. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to be on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio and SoundCloud. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, or as I've taken to calling it, NHTE. Joining me today on location here in Alabama, my guest is a Nashville-based songwriter, teacher, and host of the Monday Open Mic at the famous Bluebird Cafe in Music City. She co-wrote the song I Guess You Had To Be There which was a hit for Lori Morgan. She also does workshops and one-on-one sessions. She is one of over 200 songwriters currently playing here at the 32nd Frank Brown International Songwriters Festival. You've been hearing that song of hers called I Guess You Had To Be There. It's my pleasure to welcome to now hear this entertainment Barbara Cloyd. Hi Bruce. Hi. Thank you for doing this. Welcome.
1: I'm happy to. I love talking about songwriting.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, let's start off first by having you talk about the song of yours that we were just playing. I guess you had to be there.
1: Okay. Well, um, I wrote that in the late 90s and... No, I'm sorry. I wrote... I wrote that in the early 90s, and back then, the whole Nashville thing was you had to have a twist on the hook, things like, on the other hand, there's a golden band, or sleeping single in a double bed, you know, it was all about that kind of cleverness, take a cliche, make it mean something different, and so... You know, I'd like to tell you some heart-wrenching story about, you know, (laughs) this personal experience I had that it grew out of. But really, I was just looking for a cliche that I could twist and make mean something different. And I thought, well, I guess you had to be there. I've never heard that written. Um, How could you twist that? And it's like, oh, well, what if you were there? Because that's usually something you say to somebody that wasn't there. And, Mm. And I thought, oh, what if the person actually was there? And then I thought, well, what situation could you apply that to? And I thought, oh, what if she saw her husband with another woman? Mm. And... Um so then I kind of got inspired by the story of it. And what really inspired me was the idea that a woman could be in that situation and through all of her own pain, still understand that he was there because he needed something he wasn't getting from her.
0: Now, did you write this alone or you co-wrote it?
1: I co-wrote it with a man named John Robin. I was a waitress. He was a plumber. And we sat in my little, you know, two-room attic apartment and wow.
0: that. that Song. Wow, and how long had you been in Nashville by at that point?
1: I had been there ten years at that point
0: and you came there from St. Louis. St. Louis. Yeah. yeah, I was
1: playing clubs in St. Louis and I realized that was kind of a dead-end job and mm. I wanted to Be in a place where I could aim for the top.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know in 140 plus episodes if I've had anyone certainly i have not had a guess on who is currently in St. Louis, so I don't even know, you know, what the music scene is like. Of course, that was a while ago that you lived there, so it may have changed.
1: I, I think it's a few coffee houses and a whole lot of bars with cover bands.
0: Yeah, nothing that really supports or encourages someone that wants to song and do original music.
1: No, there, there's a chapter of the Nashville Songwriters Association, but I think they get, you know, four or five members at their meetings oh, on, a, on a good week.
0: Wow, Well, I know there are lots of your fellow Nashvillians here, um, but you're meeting other writers too. You're performing, of course. So how is the Songwriters Festival going for you so far?
1: Oh, I love it. I love it because, um, because so many people here are just performing independent songwriters and You know, in Nashville, you get a little. It's easy to get caught up in trying to write something for the radio because that's where the money is and that's what everybody's trying to do. But I come down here and people are just writing songs about their life that express them that they can share with their audiences and it just reminds me to be real
0: Mm, wow that's interesting that's interesting it's it's uh it's a vacation i know for a lot of the the nashville writers that that come down because it's right on the beach oh yeah but obviously it's something else too it's yeah you get to go down there and perform and be on the beach but you know you also get exposed to other people that you go Wow! Look at how he's doing it, or look at how she's doing it.
1: Yes, yes.
0: That's that's a nice kind of uh, unexpected bonus, maybe.
1: Well, and then when you perform, there are people that come here every year. You know, they'll come from a lot of them from Birmingham and Mobile and New Orleans, and you know the cities that are within a short drive. And you know, some people come a long way, but there's a really regular crowd of people that come every year to the Songwriters Festival, and they honestly, they don't care if your song has been on the radio, they, I mean, I'm sure they love hearing the hits, Mm -hmm. but mostly they just want to be entertained. There's just lots and lots of people who play here that have never had a song on the radio, but they just want to hear what you have to say. And I think that's another reason that it's so good for my songwriting, because I'm not trying to sing them something that sounds like a commercial hit for the radio I'm trying mm-hmm. to sing them something real that they can relate to
0: yeah yeah you had a a song that I heard you do the other night um, I'm actually getting choked up just talking about it but um, about your dad yeah, and so yeah. you know songs like that for people to be able to sit there and listen and go wow you know that's Right away, it's never mind it, whether it's been on the radio or whether it's currently being pitched. Just listen to the emotion and the message in this song. And
1: yeah, that that's a song. It's my story, and no artist will cut a song unless it's their story. And I, it's just a song I wrote about my dad being an alcoholic and how overcoming the pain of my childhood is what you know made me who I am today. And so um, it's, it has no commercial value whatsoever. But I know. I'm not the only person in that position, and I've done a lot of hard work over my life just to overcome that, and and now I just look at it as okay. Well, that was, you know, that was. I I say that, you know, when I came out of my shell, what was left was a pearl, and then I say, you know, Dad, you were my grain of sand, and I to me, it's a happy ending, you know, because I'm I'm happy now, and I, life is good, and I've forgiven him, and and so. For somebody going through that still in the pain of it, it maybe can point to them to a way out.
0: And as you said, you know, you went into that song knowing I'm not writing this because I want it to be a hit. There right. are songs that songwriters will do that they'll say, I'm just doing this song for whatever reason. I'm not doing it because, you know, you can't go into every single song and say, okay. I got to write a hit today. This, this next one, I do, everyone's, it's because it's not going to happen.
1: Oh, no, definitely everything you write is not going to be a hit. You know?
0: <laughs> uh, I'm curious, you know, um, listeners, those of you who, who have been with me for a while, thank you, of course. Uh, but as you know, um, we've had a real good number of, of Nashville guests. On the show uh, the most listened to episode ever was mark allen barnett oh. which was episode 12. It's so, so much so that that i had him back for episode 102 but cj watson uh, was a guest on this show there's a lot of people from nashville when you come down to something like this barbara and you see your nashville colleagues here do you tend to say look i don't need to really spend any time with them at all i want to meet other people i can see them any day of the week or, you know, what is your mindset with the the other Nashvillians that are here?
1: Well, I have friends who live in Nashville, and about the only time I see them every year is when I come down here. Wow. So, you wow. know, they feed us lunch every day, so it's fun to go down to the <laughs> Floribama and get the free lunch and hang out and talk to people that I haven't seen since last year, even though we live in the same town. Um, when I go out to hear music, it's, it's just a mix, you know. Um, you know, last night I heard... Uh, you know, a bunch of pickers that don't play in Nashville a whole lot, like people like Tom Bresch and um, Ed Beaver. I mean, they were amazing. And then I, I went to hear Lance Arms, uh, Lance Carpenter and Aaron Enderlin, they're Nashville people, but I don't. Is uh, it
0: because y'all are so busy in Nashville that you just you're not going to see these people every day the way that I'm implying might happen?
1: Yes, that's correct. I mean, you get, you know, you just get busy with your life and you're not going to shows every night of the week after you've been there for a while. And I, uh, but there are definitely people that are not Nashville artists that I've come to love because, you know, I come down here like last night. It was a treat for me because in the round with Lance and Aaron was a guy named Riley, Riley Yielding. I think I'm getting Mm. his name right. And I met him years and years ago and, and, And I thought he was okay, he was a nice guy, and then I heard him last night, and it's like, oh my gosh, he's become such an entertainer, and it was just, you know, and, and, you know, yeah, I I can't see him anywhere else, so it was really a treat.
0: Well, um, let's just cut right to the chase and talk about the open mic at the Bluebird Cafe because clearly there are lots of listeners who want to know what it takes for them to get in and perform there.
1: Okay. Um, well, first let me say, if you go to bluebirdcafe.com and click the link that says play the Bluebird, it will explain all the different shows we have and how you get involved in them. And for the open mic, we, uh, just changed the system about a year, year and a half ago. Where you call in starting at eleven a.m. that Monday, if you want to, it's on Monday. The show starts at six, and if you want to play, you got to call starting at eleven a.m. We take calls, and you know that we just take calls until the list is full, and then you just show up by five fifteen to check in, and um, everybody who gets on the list, starts out playing one song, and then there's always extra time. So a few people will get to do a second song.
0: I think uh, listeners, you know that I pride myself, those of you that listen to the show regularly, on having this bizarre mental Rolodex of all the (laughs) interviews that I've done. Uh, I hope I'm right in this one. I think it was episode 95, Chloe Collins, a young girl from up in New York, who talked about doing exactly that the phone call and then standing in line and, and stuff like that. So listeners go back and listen to, to Chloe actually talk about the firsthand experience of doing that. But what advice do you have Barbara for those, that want to come to do open mic at the bluebird because clearly a huge percentage of them think they're going to come and do it and get discovered is is there and, and maybe this is actually a different question is there one thing you can point to as the most common mistake that folks make when they come through there and i was asking what your advice is so i guess that is two different questions
1: well, the first advice I have is play a song that you are very, very comfortable with. Play play the one that's everybody's favorite song back home. Don't mm. try to play the one that you wrote last night. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, you know, two weeks later, that brilliant hit you wrote, is <laughs> you can look at it and it's not so brilliant. Yeah, and also, yeah. do not underestimate how nervous you might be mm. and play something that you've played you know, dozens or hundreds of times. Yeah, so
0: as a result, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think there could be a difference between the song you're most comfortable playing versus the one you think is your best song. I'm going to go to the Bluebird and I'm going to play such and such because that's clearly my best song. Yeah, but are you supremely comfortable playing it?
2: Well, and
1: also, until you've kind of studied songwriting, you may not know what your best song is. True, true. And then... You know, just make sure your guitar's in tune. If you don't have a tuner, you can get for You should for see like, the
0: look on her face, listeners, oh. when she's saying that, that. You can see the pain that she has <laughs> experienced with people your that... gu-
1: Not tuning your guitar is comparable to going out on a date and not taking a shower. Oh, it's
0: gosh. It's just, you
1: know, no, it's just so painful to listen to. And if, if you're not good at tuning your guitar, you know, I, bu- I bought these little snark tuners off Musician's Friend $6 Free shipping. I mean, it will save you a host of embarrassment (laughs) and save your audiences a great deal of pain. And then um, don't be... Too full of yourself, you know, don't be too shy. You mm-hmm. know, let share yourself with people honestly and openly, but don't try to impress us with how cool you are, because that's one of the worst ways to impress people. Then we just think you're full of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just come out and you're kind of open and and giving and humble, then that's impressive.
0: So is somewhere in in all those bullet points that you just gave, is somewhere in there. The most common mistake you see people making, or is it still something else?
1: I think the most common mistake people make is singing a song that they're not comfortable with and also not enunciating. Mm. That drives me nuts. It's like, why do you spend all that time working on words if you're not going to pronounce them in a way that we can actually hear them? I'll be trying to pay attention to somebody's song. And if I can't understand the words, I cannot force myself to pay attention. I'll just drift away.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Realistically, uh, Are there people that have come to open mic that and I'm holding up air quotes listeners that have gotten discovered just by coming to an open mic?
1: Yes, I've been doing it for uh, over 30 years. And that's happened twice. You know, there were two people I heard and went, well, there's a no brainer. And I made (laughs) calls for (laughs) them and they ended up with a deal.
0: But that was because you made calls. That wasn't somebody right. was sitting in the audience that night and approached them afterwards. No,
1: and, going so, to open mics is not an efficient way for people in the industry to find great talent. Uh, there's, there's sort of a filtering system. Like somebody like me will call a publisher and say, you should hear this songwriter. Mm-hmm. Or if you're just, if you're in nashville and you're playing around town and getting to know people and you're super good you'll sort of get a buzz going people Mm -hmm. will talk about you you know other people will invite you to come play writers nights um you kind of get passed up the line
0: Mm -hmm. so is the is the open mic at the bluebird Just the novelty of it, and people love being able to say that they performed there. Or, 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 or is it that people do go there thinking, "I'm going to perform there because I'm probably going to get discovered." There's probably loads of people sitting there.
1: I'm sure there are a lot of people who think that. You know, like people come and go. So there are a lot of talent scouts here tonight. It's like
2: no. Yeah, tons. The whole place. They have secretaries
1: (laughs) sitting outside their office trying to keep people away from them because it's so hard to conceive of how many songwriters there are and how difficult it is. I mean, most people come thinking, oh man, I've got these hit songs and as soon as people, you know, my friends back home, they think this stuff's better than what's on the radio or it sounds just like what's on the radio and they come to town and they don't get the same reaction from the industry and a lot of people just get really bitter and get cynical about the industry and you know, go home with their tail between their legs mm-hmm. and what they don't understand is that you know, it's One analogy I use is just because your Aunt Martha wins the pie baking contest at the state fair every year doesn't mean she can walk into a four-star restaurant in New York City and get a job as a pastry chef. I
0: like that. Yeah. That's good. That's good. (laughs) Oh, this is great, as I I expected that it would be. and i and i've been looking forward to this so um it's living up to its advanced billing i, oh, I, will, I will say that i am bruce Warzniak and joining me today on location here in alabama is nashville-based songwriter barbara cloyd visit her official website at www.barbaracloyd.com for the proper spelling of her last name just look at the title of this episode on your listening device at the top of her website homepage, you will find links to barbara on twitter and instagram Barbara is also on Reverb Nation and her music is on SoundCloud which is one of the platforms that this show is available on. You can also find her CD called Possibilities available for purchase on cdbaby.com Be sure that you're also checking out www.nhte.net as in Now Hear This Entertainment nhte.net For every episode of this show we have there the full audio plus the guest's photo a link to their website and quotes from the guest on each show. Sign up for the e-newsletter at nhte.net and subscribe to this podcast and tell others about it too. Subscribing is free and it makes it so easy to get the show every week on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or by following on SoundCloud. We are thrilled to be on Google Play Music too. Go ahead and use the social media buttons on nhte.net to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and to follow on Twitter and or Instagram. If you're a new listener to the show, thank you and please do check out some of the prior episodes of Now Hear This entertainment we've had a lot of great guests along the way so far I mentioned a few of them already Mark Allen Barnett from Episodes 12 and 102, C.J. Watson from Episode 41, and Chloe Collins from Episode 95. As always, many thanks, of course, to those who are not first-time listeners. I very much appreciate your time and your interest and support. And by the way, whether you're going to look for Barber's music and or other music, books, whatever, go to nhte.net and click on the tall Amazon banner to get there so that you can help this show in the process of buying whatever it is that you need from Amazon i'm i'm curious um clearly you have a, a very coveted role doing that that bluebird cafe gig and you surely get to hear lots and lots of great music but you've also been at it a long time as you just mentioned 30 years what what keeps you going with it after so many years because it is such a sought after venue i would think that eventually the demand from so many people would finally just get to be a bit too much where you'd say all right i i think 30 years is enough this is
1: Well, for one thing, hosting the open mic is pretty simple. I did book all the early shows for 10 years. And those are the, we have two shows a night, the late shows have a cover and those are for hit writers and people with a national reputation. Um, The early shows are for people that haven't had a string of hits. And I booked those for 10 years and, and nine would have been enough. It was, (laughs) that was where, you know, the demand just kept growing and growing. And I, I got really tired of answering the same questions and all the emails and phone calls and stuff. But the open mic is easy. I just show up. I have about a, you know, five or 10 minute speech that explains how the night's going to work. And then I go back and I run the sound and let people run the show. And if I'm, you know, if the song's not that great, my mind wanders and, you know, I'm not necessarily having to hang on every word of every song. But even if I'm, you know, checking my email or looking at Facebook, if somebody sings a great song, it will it will perk up my attention.
0: So even though the, the folks come through there with the egos and with the guitars that are out of tune and things like that, it isn't so overwhelming that you say, actually, Bruce, I'm, I'm near my end of this.
1: No, no. I I mean, I guess if I had a big string of hits and I didn't rely on teaching for income as much, then I I think probably, to be honest, the promotional value of what I do because I put a little banner with my web address on it and I let people know that I have workshops and consultations and that's kind of my target Mm -hmm. demographic right there of people that I'm trying to get business from. And I think also just even if it's not, people finding out about me by being at the Bluebird, just the fact that I have an association with the Bluebird gives me a credibility. They have been letting me do my workshops there, although the Bluebird's becoming so much in demand, I'm keeping my fingers crossed I'll still Mm. be able to do that. And, you know, I think just being associated with the credibility that the Bluebird has is good for me as yeah, a teacher. Yeah, I know,
0: I know that's how you came onto my radar. I'm, I'm on your mailing list. I'm on your, your email list and so I get what you send out and so you're right. You know, there yeah. is some added value uh, that I people may I think the way think most of. people
1: find me is they Google Open Mic Nashville mm-hmm. and I usually come up pretty high on the searches for that because I have a, I, I not only have information about the Bluebird Open Mic, but about the one I have on Tuesday nights at a place called Blue Bar and then just all of my favorite ones around town I have a list of those
0: go ahead and talk about the the Tuesday one so so people can know what that is Uh, well
1: I I have a scheduled show that goes from like seven to ten roughly and then when that's over um, anybody who is there by nine o'clock to sign up can play two songs
0: Wow, okay, okay. And uh proximity um of that of that venue to the Bluebird, is it even close? Is it total different part of town? Where is it?
1: The Bluebird is in a little suburb called Green Hills that's about, you know, three or four miles from Music Row and Blue Bar is right on the edge of Music Row. If anybody's ever been to winners or losers, those are a couple popular bars in Nashville. We're right across the street from them. Okay.
0: Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, if you're performing somewhere that you're already booked at again, plug the next time that you'll be there. Don't say where your next gig is just because it's sooner. When you do that, the booker hears it as you telling people to go somewhere else. You can do that discreetly in a one-on-one situation, but you shouldn't be announcing over the microphone someplace different that people should be going to. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. How about that? Helpful? There are a whole bunch of tips just like that over all the prior episodes of this show, To make it easy for the listeners out there who are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers to get the tips in one concise format, there is a Bruce's Bonus Book Volume 1 and a Bruce's Bonus Book Volume 2 for purchase in eBook format, giving you all the tips from episodes 1 to 40 and 41 to 80, respectively. Just go to www.brucesbonusbook.com for online ordering and instant delivery. I mentioned uh, in that promotional read that I was doing a, a CD of yours. plus, we talked earlier about your being here performing at the Frank Brown International Songwriters Festival. But you really are a songwriter first, not a performer. So I wonder why, when, and how you made the decision to really put the emphasis on being a songwriter instead of trying to be a recording artist, too.
1: Well, I was a performer in St. Louis, and I moved to Nashville in eighty three with the idea of well, maybe I should be uh, a artist. Maybe I should go after an artist dealer. Maybe I should just do the songwriting thing. And when I moved to town, I did a couple road gigs, and I was just playing solo at the time, and man, being on the road by yourself is not fun. And then, When I came back to town, I kind of looked around and I just thought, you know, there are a lot of girls younger than me and prettier than me that are working way harder at this than I'm ever gonna, Mm. and I just thought, I think maybe the songwriting route is better for me.
0: Interesting, interesting. Um, When you performed here at the festival two nights ago, you introed the Lori Morgan song, that you wrote, that we played at the beginning of the show, as as one that enabled you to remodel your house, uh, how, how did it feel, though, when, when that song became a hit, and, and I guess, was it validation as well as inspiration to keep doing what you're doing at the well, time? Well, it
1: was validation, but I will say, that I will give some advice to people, I will give you Please. a little tip. I thought that once I had a song in the top 10 on a platinum-selling album, that the Red Sea was going to park for <laughs> me. That all the publishers in Nashville were going to be calling me up and begging me to write for them. And what I did was I went to see a whole lot of people one time. And then they all left the door open to me, but they didn't offer me a contract. So I got my feelings hurt, and I mm. kind of spent... I got very cynical and I, you know, went and traveled a lot and spent my money and got cynical about Nashville. And the truth of it is sustaining a career as a songwriter in Nashville is beyond a full-time job it's a lifestyle you have to be so committed to it and you know I wish I had understood then that you know now I understand it was my fault it, it had nothing to do with the industry mm-hmm. I just didn't work hard enough I, I didn't work smart enough and um, but luckily um, because I'd had a hit on the radio people started asking me for feedback and advice and I discovered that I seemed to be able to help people that way and then at some point I thought well the royalties are dwindling maybe some but he would pay me for this feedback and advice and people were willing to and then one day I thought well maybe if I did workshops I could um, make more money in less time and I mentioned that to a publisher friend of mine who I mean this was a fortuitous moment he said well me and this other publisher we've been wanting to get out of town and listen to people before they move to Nashville and start trying to sound like everybody else you think you could organize that for us and I'm like heck yeah I could do that oh, no. and wow. so um, that was the genesis of my play for publisher workshops and now I do them in Nashville I do them three times a year they're three-day workshops and I get two publishers to come each day and I invite writers to apply and the, the 15 or so that I pick get to play a song for two different publishers each day and get feedback. So they get heard by six different publishers, and they get professional feedback on their songs. And then listening to all the feedback everybody else is getting for three days really helps uh-huh. you understand. You're, you're learning what it takes to get a cut from publishers who are out there getting cuts.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm interested in the, the story that you mentioned about, you know, when it became hit because you know you do automatically think well I guess my phone's gonna ring off the hook now I know there's a a fellow that I knew some years ago that he, his, his idea for a TV show got picked up by one of the cable networks, and he said that his phone did start ringing. All of a sudden, they go, well, what other ideas does this guy have? Hmm, wow, this is interesting. But like you say, if you just sit back and say, well, they're just going to keep calling me indefinitely, not the case. Yeah, no. <laughs> no,
1: I needed to be back. Like anybody who left the door open to me, I needed to be back in their office every month with two or three new songs. Yeah. You know, a a woman a friend of mine Liz Hanger is a songwriter and her first hit was on a Reba record and she called Every single other writer that was on that record and says, well, Reba likes my read, writing. Apparently she likes yours too. Why don't we get together wow. and try to write something? Wow. That's the that's, kind of hustle that sustains yeah, that's a career. Clever. That's you know?
0: clever. Wow. Wow. I like that. So take us through that time and that process, though. Explain to the listeners how your song got to be recorded by Lori Morgan in the first place.
2: Okay,
1: my co-writer is John Robin. Like I said, he was a plumber, and he had met a couple that had just moved here from New Zealand, Jewel and Barry Coburn, And they were just making a living catering lunches, delivering sandwiches up and down Music Row. But they had been in the music business in New Zealand, and Barry came to Nashville to do artist management, and Jewel came to do publishing. And a couple of the artists that Barry managed were Alan Jackson and Keith Urban, and uh, Jewel managed a writer named uh, Angela Cassett and you know so john when he met them they had nothing going on but his instincts told him these people are good they know what they're doing they are going to be successful and jewel just loved John's writing They just mm. hit it off and and had a, a chemistry and a connection between them So any song he would finish he would take it to her and give her you know an option to pitch it And that mm-hmm. was when she picked up and then one of her signed writers was Angela Cassett who wrote something in red Which was a huge hit for Lori Morgan and so when it, they were ready for the next record her producers You know called over to jewel and said please send us some more of Angela's songs Songs. Uh, so she sent him a cassette with three Angela songs and then ours was the on the tail end of that and wow, that's, how we got wow, the cut.
0: that's really cool well there you go listeners that's that's how I don't want to say that's how it happens but at least that's how it happened that's for, one for Barbara way on happened. that song yeah yeah I am Bruce Wozniak and joining me today on location here in Alabama is Nashville based songwriter Barbara Cloyd visit her official website at www.barbaracloyd.com as I mentioned before you can get the proper spelling of her first and last Name because Barbara Streisand spells her first name differently than you do. So she does. look at the title of this episode on your listening device. And at the top of her website homepage, you will find links to Barbara on Twitter and Instagram. Barbara is also on Reverb Nation, and her music is on SoundCloud, which is one of the platforms that the show is available on. You can also find her CD called Possibilities available for purchase on CDBaby.com. I've been mentioning uh, the newsletter um, that I receive, so get on Barbara's email list and forgive me, I'm editing. Myself as I'm going along here. It's Twitter and Facebook. I don't know why I'm saying Twitter and Instagram. I don't believe well, you're I on. Am,
1: I'm. I'm on Instagram. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm not as active on any of them as I should be.
0: Okay. Yeah. And I noticed that the Facebook. Uh, are you open to people, strangers, sending you friend requests, or is it going to be highly screened?
1: I am open to strangers sending me friend requests, um, unless. If I don't know you, but you're involved in music some way, then I will take your friend request. I I used to take everybody's requests and I started getting some very strange Some emails bizarre, from, yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm, not, I'm not
1: using it as a dating
0: <laughs> listeners be sure that you're also checking out www.nhte.net it stands for now hear this entertainment nhte.net for every episode of this show we have on nhte.net the full audio, the guest's photo a link to their website and quotes from the guest on each show while you're there sign up for the e-newsletter and subscribe to this podcast and tell others about it too, to is free, and it makes it very easy to get the show every week on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or by following if you're listening on SoundCloud. We are thrilled to be on Google Play Music, too. Go ahead and use the social media buttons on nhte.net to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and to follow on Twitter and or Instagram. If you're a new listener to the show, thank you. Please do check out some of the prior episodes of Now Hear This Entertainment. We've had a lot of great guests along the way so far. If you listen to episode 101, we did a best of from some of the first 100 shows. That's always a good place to start. As always, many thanks, of course, to those who are not first-time listeners. I very much appreciate your time and your interest and support. Just amazed that we have gotten listeners from 124 countries around the world. As I mentioned earlier, whether you're going to look for Barbara's music, other music, books, whatever, go to nhte.net and click on the tall Amazon banner to get there so that you can help this show in the process of buying whatever it is that you need from Amazon. Amazon. Uh, barbara back in the intro i mentioned about your being a songwriting teacher and that you do workshops you were talking about those and uh you do one-on-one sessions as well so talk about the work that you do in those different roles
1: well, when someone comes to see me one-on-one, I usually start out by asking them to tell me a little bit about where they're at with their music at the time and, you know, what, what they've been doing and where they'd like to go, whatever their goals are. And then, you know, then I ask them to play me some songs. And so then based on the songs I'm hearing and knowing what their goals are, I just make whatever suggestions I can about the craft and the business to help them achieve their goals.
0: And uh, the workshops, I want to be clear to the listeners, these are available out on the road, not only in Nashville, yes?
1: I I go on the road if some songwriter organization invites me to come and do a workshop. Um, And I don't take the publisher workshops on the road anymore.
0: Yeah, so listeners, if you're affiliated with a group that would like to have Barbara come and do a workshop, certainly you can contact her through her website. Uh, similar to the question that I asked you earlier about the most common mistake that you see from people coming through the Bluebird, Bluebird. what's the one area that you see in your role as a teacher, and I guess maybe as a workshop leader, that over and over people need, they, they seem to need to most work on?
1: No one is reading your mind. <laughs> You're watching the whole movie in your head when you write your songs and you may, knowing the story, having all the information, you can come up with a line that's very, very cleverly says something about that story. But unless we know the story, that cleverness is lost on us. Um, in the indie world, people can be a little more self-indulgent with their writing. It can be a little more abstract. You can leave it up to the listener to interpret. But if you're writing songs like that, unless you're the performer, there's really no outlet for them. If you want to write for the, um genres where there is an outlet, which is primarily um, pop and country and R&B, you have to have lyrics that people can understand. And in country, absolutely. You have to tell the story. You have to paint the picture. You have to be able to understand every line the first time you hear it. And you have to get the point of the song the first time you hear it. And realizing that nobody is reading your mind, that you may be commenting on a story that you're not telling, that Mm -hmm. is probably what i spend more time explaining to people than anything
0: yeah it reminds me on episode 12 the one i mentioned with mark allen barnett he always talks about visual furniture that you need to have in your song so people can see uh and and actually uh, and it's amazing that i'm referring to to quote unquote such old episodes of the show but episode eight with dominic pages um he describes uh, he says it's a four-minute movie for the blind. Song, songwriting. <laughs> yes, yes. So, and that's that's what you're saying is you know you are showing them the, this movie, but if they're not understanding what it is that you're reacting to or commenting on, then you know the the screen might as well be blank. For right. Them.
1: Like if I say to you, I can't believe what she did when he looked at her like that.
0: Yeah, looked at her like, what?
1: Yeah, what did she do? <laughs> yeah. How did
0: he look at her? You know? um, having already had a hit song cut, what is the holy grail that, that you're chasing these days? Is it another hit song or is it some other coveted accomplishment or are you simply happy with where you are and what you have already accomplished?
1: Oh, I am very happy with where I'm at. I mean, I have found a little niche that lets me be part of the Nashville community and, and I help people and I get lots of love, you know, I I mean, all the time people will come up and say, you know, Oh, I was ready to leave town. And then you told me you liked one of my songs at the bluebird and I hung in there or whatever, you know, I, I, I do love to help people and I've, and I love songwriting and I love Nashville. I love the whole, the whole culture of the town and the, the supportiveness of the community. So I feel very, very blessed to play a role in Nashville. Of course I want more hits, you know, and... And I've not been as good about, you know, it's easier for me to go to bat for other people than it is for me to go to bat for myself. So what I do now is I look for young artists that I think have potential and I'm trying to write with them and then sometimes making introductions. And, you know, I'm hoping someday that one of the songs I write with one of these young people will, you know, get on their project and get on the radio. And, you know, if it does, I'm going to be thrilled. And if it doesn't, I'm not going to regret that I am in sure, Nashville doing sure. what I do.
0: It has to make you feel like a million bucks, though. Like the example that you just used where someone says, you said great things about my song, and that made me decide to stick with it after all and not to leave time with my tail between my legs. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't pay the cell phone bill. It doesn't pay the electric bill, the water bill. But when people tell you that, it makes it feel, does it not, that, you know, well, okay, I am making a difference. You know, I'm, I'm helping people realize their dream.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, like I said, I love, I love the town and I love people and I love songwriters and, you know, I'm not, I'm not a a grandiose person, but I, I do know that I have made a really positive contribution in a lot of people's lives. And, you know, what's more important than that?
0: But, you know, similar to the the story that you told about, getting your song cut and then you said I didn't do the legwork I should have been really aggressive afterwards you know I I stress all the time that in my opinion there's no such thing as having too many contacts and yeah. what I'm getting at is you know you go there and you make an impression on Barbara and she says nice things about you and your music well, you have to stay in touch with her, you know, and that's the way you're going to stay on her radar because I'm sure you see so many people all the time that you say nice things to and you never hear from them again. It's probably few and far between those that follow up with you regularly and say, I just want to say hello and this is what I'm up to these days or I'm coming back to Nashville.
2: Well, to
1: be perfectly honest, I meet too many songwriters. I don't, I don't need everybody following up with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I think but that you if meet I... a lot
0: of them. But do they do they follow up with you, or do are are they one and done? Like, oh, I think I remember you, but gosh, that was fifteen months ago. I don't know.
1: Well, if I can do something for you, I will let you know that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, it's so hard to get anywhere in Nashville. The fact that I love that song that you sang. That doesn't mean I can get you a publishing deal. If I think I can get you a publishing deal, I'll say, hey, I think I can get you a publishing deal. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to do it for free. Now I work out some kind of modest arrangement so that I get a little something if I help you out. You know, if I haven't said, hey, I think I can get you a publishing deal, then I probably can't get you a publishing deal. And... I don't, you don't need to send me your CD. You don't need to send me that new song you wrote. I mean, I have a consultation service for people that want me to listen to their stuff. Okay. I get emails from people all the time, you know, will you listen to this song and tell me what you think? It's like, sure, I will if you pay me for it. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I don't mean to be, you know, I mean, that this is my time people are asking for. I don't think they realize that, you know, it's like, hey, will you donate your professional service to me for free? You know, yeah. so I, to follow
0: it, up and say, I just wanted to say hello and I hope everything's. Going great and best wishes of the holidays, etc., that's fine. But you know, there, oh by the way, I'm also attaching my latest song. If you could listen, no. Yeah,
1: no. <laughs> Thanks no, no, for the
0: no. holiday wishes and happy Thanksgiving and all that other stuff to you too. But I'm not gonna listen to your song. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I have ninety seven other emails to read after yours.
1: If I if I listen to everybody's songs, that's what I would do all day long, every yeah, day.
0: Yeah. And and then you wouldn't be able to pay the electric bill or the cell phone true, bill or the water bill. True. Uh, we're going to close today with a song of yours called I Love This Town. So before we let you go, tell the listeners all about this song, please.
1: Well, I went to the Bluebird Cafe and I heard a songwriter named Dave Gibson in the round with some other people. And after the show, he and I were talking about what it's like being a, a longtime Nashville songwriter and... and uh, you know, what it feels like to still be in the game all these years later. And I went home, and this song just kind of fell out of my head. I wrote it really fast, and um, it just expresses my experience of Nashville. And then I decided I should record it, and I wanted to record it really simply, just like it was, you know, being played in the round at the Bluebird, and I'm not the greatest guitar player in the world. So th- I thought, well, who do I know that's like a really good finger picker? And I went, oh, Dave Gibson. So. Mm. it was it was kind of meaningful to me to have him on the song
0: and I believe uh, we're going to play it in its entirety and I promise listeners that I won't talk over it but I believe this song uh, is on your SoundCloud. if it people want to go listen to it there it is. great well Barbara thank you ever so much I really enjoyed this I oh, thank appreciate you, you taking the time to much. do this Listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to songwriter Barbara Cloyd. Do visit her official website. It's www.barbaracloyd.com and then engage with her on social media. So that means follow her on Twitter. Become a fan of her Reverb Nation page. Follow her on SoundCloud. She might accept your friend request on Facebook. Uh, She is on Instagram. Uh, And of course, purchase her CD. It's called Possibilities. It's available on CD baby.com. And there is extensive contact information on her website. If you're interested in her workshops or one-on-one sessions, don't forget to visit www.nhte.net and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Give us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio too, hopefully accompanied by a five-star rating. That really does help the show a lot. If you are listening on SoundCloud, remember that you You can like and repost is how you share episodes on that platform and you can also follow on soundcloud let's get your feedback on the show too. post your comments or questions on the now hear this facebook page there are links to it and twitter and even the now hear this official youtube channel on nhte.net plus there's a link there to this show on instagram or send us an email the email address is on the contact page of nhte.net thanks for listening we'll send you out today with another song from barbara cloyd this is the one she just talked about. It's called I Love This Town.
2: I love this town It sucks you in and chews you up and spits you out But when it drives you to the left. You can always find a friend to talk you down I love this town It's home to me All the brilliant hicks, the middle-aged kids, the drama queens Big egos with big hearts All desperate for their part of the dream Yeah, that's home to me I'm here from New York, so full of attitude. And from L.A., thinking they can show us how to be cool. Then they settle in, and we teach them a thing or two. I love this town. So if you wanna piss and moan and put it down, songs, so pure they'll prove you're wrong to ever doubt this awesome town. And as long as I've been at it, for as little as I've made, you'd think I'd have the sense to pack it in and move away. But hey, today's a brand new day, and maybe it could be my day And I still love this town I might die before my pot of gold is found But when I'm on my deathbed I don't think I'll regret sticking around Cause the times it loved me back that made me proud And with my dying breath, I'll probably shout, I love this town.